0: There just hasn't been a lot of innovation in the operations space from companies. And so that has accelerated though, in the last few years, there's been a lot of new entrants, a lot of really cool technology has come out. And so what we're trying to do is take advantage of that to help our team members that are out across the country.
1: Ready to talk logistics? How? Can't be done. Figure out some logistics.
2: All right, welcome to another episode of Supply Chain Therapy. I am your host, Alex Kent, joined by my co host Michelle McMara. Michelle, what's happening?
1: What's up, Alex? How are you doing today?
2: Oh, I'm I'm wonderful. Just wonderful. <sighs>
1: Glad to hear it. Well, I am wonderful too, because we have another awesome guest today, Will Vining, Senior Director of Supply Chain Optimization for the Veritiv Corporation, and wonderful stored customer. Will has spent nearly 12 years at Veritiv, which is a Fortune 500 company, specializing in packaging, facility solutions, and more. Will leads a variety of functions, including transportation, warehousing, indirect sourcing, real estate, and more, Supporting Verative Supply Chain. We'll get into all this in the episode today. Will, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing?
0: I am great. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Of course. Thanks for being here. All right. This is Supply Chain Therapy after all. So as you know, we start with a collective deep breath. We inhale and we exhale. <sighs> That was good, I needed that. Nice. All right, let's jump in then. So I wanted to start talking about Verative, the Fortune 500 company that most people have not heard of. What is Veritiv?
0: Well, Michelle, you stole what I normally tell people. I say we're one of the biggest companies you've definitely never heard of, but that's because we're a business to business company. So we are actually the largest B2B distributor of packaging products in North America. And in terms of our scale, I mean, we've got 6,000 employees across the globe. We've got almost a hundred distribution centers across North America. And then relative to this conversation for supply chain, we've got one of the 100 largest private fleets in North America as well.
1: Awesome. Well, I have a lot of questions about Verative so we can get into it. So you've been with the team in my lifetime. 12 years is a long time. I, you know, in the, the tech world, we don't stick around for very long. So I was very impressed to hear 12 years. Can you share some of your experiences and, and how you've grown, how the organization has grown?
0: Sure. And I mean, maybe in the tech world, 12 years seems like a lifetime. But in the <laughs> B2B distribution world, I'm still a rookie here. The uh, <laughs> I think that the average tenure of like my direct team is like 25 years. So oh, 12 years gosh. is not a lifetime here by any stretch. But yeah, it's been a That's great incredible. journey. It's been fun. I started with Verative 12 years ago as a part of our logistics solutions group, which was a third party logistics company that that we started within the business. and. And helped grow that and grew through that brokerage group uh, and eventually was running it and then shifted over to our what we call our core business side to run transportation for the entire organization. And something that's been, I don't know, really fun about working here and the reason you stay somewhere for 12 years is every year or two, I've gotten something new to focus on and a new challenge um, and new responsibility, which has been great.
2: So you control an awful lot of the supply chain over there, and, and you know you have a lot of different organizations reporting to you. How do you kind of manage each of those? I'm sure it's been, as you just mentioned, added on to year after year, but how do you manage that yourself?
0: Well, I mean, it goes back to the the team that I talked about, right? I mean, you've got to have a strong team and strong leaders for each of those functions or else it would never work. And then I'm lucky too, they're all adjacent. So they're all supply chain focused. And as you guys know, everything within supply chain is so connected. So having transportation responsibility, kind of bolting on what happens within the warehouse makes it a little easier because they are so connected.
2: And then can you share a little bit for our listeners just about the progression in the different, I guess, departments or operating procedures that that Veritas
0: had over the years? Veritiv was actually formed in 2014. It was a merger between two large distributors, International Papers, Expedex Division and a company called Unisource. So mm-hmm. we were two equal sized distributors that came together. And so the evolution of Veritiv has been these two massive competitors and both had very similar networks and so a lot of overlap is now how do you get synergies from that merger? And then start operating as one. So it's been really fun that we did that big merger. We came together. We got a lot of our synergies together. And now it's about optimizing the supply chain that we have.
2: Yeah. So your I mean your network, I think if you can share a little bit more about what the network looked like during that merger and then how you've worked through some of that so you're not overlapping and, and you're sharing those synergies.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, network strategy is probably one of the most fun things that we get to do and talk about. When we merged, we had 130 distribution centers. And over the course of the last six or seven years, we've taken that number from 130 down to around 85 today in North America. And that's something that's ongoing. You don't get to 85 and then just stop, we're constantly evaluating if we're in the right markets, do we need fewer facilities? Do we need more facilities? It's a constant journey, but um, that's probably one of the biggest challenges and focus areas initially as we merged because there's a lot of Mm -hmm. synergies and overlap there. And now now we're at a point where it's less about you have two buildings in the same market, so it's a pretty easy decision. And it's more about what do we want our network to look like in the future? And how do we set up our supply chain network to help enable the organization to grow.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's it's important to note that this is not a direct to consumer company, right? It is B two B. So explain kind of the importance of having those eighty five distribution centers and what their operating procedures are. And and quite frankly, eighty five is a lot. So like yeah. why eighty five? You know, obviously we're you're still working on consolidating those, but how important is it to your customer to have that those almost forward stocking locations so inventory can get there quicker?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So we're positioned where we can make next day delivery to our customers when we need to. So our value proposition to our customers is we've got a, a very large assortment of a variety of packaging SKUs. They can order those and we can get them to them you know, within three days generally. But some of the trends we're seeing though is that we're actually pretty well positioned because the term we use is the consumerization of B2B is happening. Mm-hmm. And so some of the trends that maybe stored might see in the B2C world, we're starting to feel in the B2B world. A good example of that is just around visibility. So when we place an order online at home, you click order, and then you get tracking updates and you know exactly where that shipment is and when it's going to show up at your front door. (laughs) Believe it or not, that's just not the norm in the (laughs) B2B world. And so that's the consumerization of B2B, the people who are actually making those purchasing decisions, when they do that at home, they're starting to expect that in their work life as well. So we've had to add technology. It's something we rolled out last year that on all of our trucks, when we make a delivery to a customer, there's now real-time tracking of where that order is so they know when that's gonna get to their distribution center.
1: That's awesome. You know you're on the right podcast when you think network strategy is fun. (laughs) So like special shout out, supply chain is cool, right?
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. See, like I told you guys earlier, you gotta talk to my wife about that, who is like, why is there a supply chain podcast? I don't get it. Who would listen to that? Like people like me, nerds like us. Mrs. Vining, hello, thank you for listening.
1: Awesome. The other point I wanted to get into on in your background is your experience with Verative Logistics Solutions. So you helped oversee that and turn it around and eventually sell it. Can you kind of talk us through that background there and what your experience was like?
0: Yeah. Um, so Verative Logistics Solutions was a freight brokerage business. And so we started that back in 2011. Uh, I was very fortunate to join in the early days of that as it formed. And we were really laser focused on revenue. So we grew revenue mm-hmm. really fast because we were focused on the top line. And then just as an organization, it just wasn't a strategic fit for Verative. When you think about mm. B2B distribution, having a freight brokerage business unit, there wasn't a lot of synergy there. And so we made the decision to divest of that business. And part of that was making it profitable. And so we had to switch our focus from top line growth to bottom line growth. We were able to do that. And then um, we were in a good position that we had some awesome people there. And so when buyers came in, we were really interviewing them as much as they were interviewing and evaluating the business because we wanted we wanted those people to find a really good home and it wound up working out. I mean, Verative was not in a position that we wanted to invest heavily to be in the freight brokerage game. And we found a partner that could take on the team members there and invest in them.
2: What are you seeing, Will, from, you know, the next step in the business uh, as far as Veritas going? You know, obviously network strategy is a key component of what you guys are doing, but what are you seeing, you know, when you look at your fleet of trucks, your own fleet of trucks, what are you seeing on, on that end? What are you guys looking toward, especially as, We all know that carriers and and hiring truck drivers, for
0: example, is, is getting harder and harder to do and somewhat, not to blame it, but a gig economy. So within our private fleet, we've got a lot of focus areas, but one of the biggest and most interesting right now is related to sustainability. You see a lot out there about some of the new technology, specifically electric trucks that are coming online. And so for us as a company... We set a really aggressive greenhouse gas reduction goal. So we want Mm. to reduce our scope one and scope two emissions by 50% by the year 2030 and more than half of our emissions are from our trucks. So when you think about making an impact on the environment, that's the obvious place to start is that fleet of trucks. So we've played with everything. We've tried every type of electric truck that I think has been made so far. We've tried hybrid trucks. We're out there trying everything. And I I would say that the industry is still pretty split on what the actual future is as it relates to um, big trucks. Mm -hmm. Electric is what you hear a lot about, but there's a lot of challenges there, especially with the grid. That's what people don't talk about as much Is the mm-hmm. trucks are getting much better. The range of the trucks are getting much better as well, but actually plugging the trucks in and charging them is such a huge drain on the grid that it's becoming an issue. And I, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's going to be the future.
1: And then can you speak to the other option hybrid trucks? What are the pros and cons there?
0: Yeah, hybrid's cool. It's There's a lot of companies out there that are doing really innovative things as it relates to alternative fuels. Hybrid's one. And there's some older technologies too, like compressed natural gas, CNG trucks that burn cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's a type of fuel that's been around for a while. And so we went out and bought a few CNG trucks this year. It'll help lower our emissions level we're using renewable diesel fuels in a lot of our trucks now which burns cleaner. So, it's really for us it's wow. a variety of patchwork options while the industry gets to the long-term sustainable yeah. answer whether that's electric or hydrogen or some of the other things that are coming but we think that's many years out.
1: Interesting. And so why are you why do you choose patchwork options like just a couple trucks here, a couple trucks there? Is it nice to test the options? What are kind of the benefits?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't want to overcommit to something in case, yeah. you know, the compressed natural gas, for example, if the, the engines aren't up to par and you're stuck with these trucks for seven plus years on a lease, you know, you want to dip your toe in. You want to test it as much as you can.
1: Great. Excellent. So let's move on to our next topic freight to the freight industry. And so we mentioned that Verative is a stored customer and they're actually a customer of our freight side of things. And so, Will, maybe you can speak to how does Verative view their freight operations? You know, what's kind of your thinking behind it, your philosophy in freight?
0: Yeah. So our freight spend is split pretty evenly between LTL and truckload. For LTL, it's pretty straightforward. We've got a large enough spend that we go directly to the big carriers. We negotiate rates on an annual basis with them. And in LTL, we're focused more on the premium carriers, the service versus just driving down to the lowest penny. Now on truckload, we do use brokers like Stored and others to move our truckload freight. And our strategy with truckload is we have a really small, tight carrier network, especially relative to the size of our spend. And, you know, we kind of joke as a team because, I mean, we get called all the time, as you can imagine, given what the market's like right now, that team gets yeah. called all the time with prospective carriers. And we've got a one-in-one-out policy. It's like the, the Verita Freight nightclub, right? no Nobody's <laughs> getting in unless one of our small carriers is, is leaving.
2: How do you manage that relationship with, with those, you know, one-to-one kind of relationships and, you know, Not forcing them out, but holding them to a higher, the ones that you are working with, holding them to a higher standard and and having that open communication. How does your team face that?
0: Yeah, for us, it's it's all about data and metrics. And so we have business reviews on a regular basis with this group of carriers and we review KPIs. Everybody's got the same KPIs that they're measured against and it's the Mm -hmm. basics. It's nothing that um, others aren't doing. It's on-time delivery it's acceptance percent to the contracts that, that we have in place it's how uh, how much they're bidding on our spot board and then we do have kind of a, a squishy component of that which is we actually go out and talk to our load planners and we ask them who they trust the most if they get a call from a customer at five o'clock who's the broker or carrier that they're going to pick up the phone and call and then that's mm-hmm. the feedback that we take into our business reviews with our partners
1: Mm. The squishy. I like that. I've never heard that (laughs) phrase like that. And can you speak to a little bit of the pros and cons? Why would you go direct versus why would you use a brokerage pros and cons for each?
0: Yeah. So going direct, you know, there's more of a sense of control there, which is nice, especially for us with less than truckload. Now the benefits of the brokerage is the flexibility. So just the nature of our business, we do have a lot of kind of last minute orders that come up whether one of our drivers may be called out that day and we've got to get that shipment out to our customer, the freight brokerages, they're the ones with flexibility. They're the ones with access to that quick capacity.
1: So you've chosen folks like Stored to partner with. Can you talk through the process of how did you pick Stored and maybe why they were a fit for Verative?
0: We have a mix of carriers between some of the biggest brokers out there. There's some value with those guys with some smaller, more niche type brokers and some of the newer entrants that are more technology focused. I do appreciate the Stored team. You know, it's you're one of our few freight brokerage partners, but the reason we do work with Stored is you guys help us way beyond freight brokerage. So if we have something that comes up, we talked a lot about network design. The Stored mm-hmm. team is Always willing to jump in and help us brainstorm things beyond just getting a load moved from point A to point B, which we appreciate.
2: Twenty twenty, right? We had Craig Fuller on a, an episode of Supply Chain Therapy <laughs> last year or last season, and you know we talked about the switch, the pendulum effect of the freight market, and how quickly it adapts and changes. And you know, it, you can get some sort of knowledge of hey, there's a switch coming, and it's going to be in the carrier's favor. It's going to be in the shippers favor and kind of walk us through how you think about the the pendulum shift, the dynamic shift and in, in just the, the freight market from it being super tight in 2020 to almost a looser market now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say that there's been two extremes. I mean, in 2020, it was obviously very much in the carrier's favor. You couldn't find trucks anywhere. They could charge pretty much whatever they wanted for us to be able to move our product. That has swung so far back the other direction now because enough capacity came in the market, demand went down. And so now shippers have the upper hand. The way we think about it, that's part of the benefit of having a small group of core providers that you can trust mm-hmm. because the market is so cyclical, it will go back and forth. And so when the carriers have the upper hand, the ones that stuck by us and didn't take advantage of what was happening in the market. They're part of that small group of carriers now that we're not taking advantage of. We didn't go off cycle from our RFP process. We let them keep their rates for the last year when they were probably benefiting, especially Mm -hmm. considering the rates we're seeing now in our new RFP.
2: Yeah. And I I mean, you see it on on LinkedIn, you see it all over the place of the logistics manager is, is going to have almost a field day in 2023 because the budget for freight was, it grew exponentially in <laughs> yeah. 2022. They walk <laughs> into 2023 with the same budget. They're going to look like heroes in the eyes of the CFO. But, you know, from a of standpoint, I'm not hearing that. It's like, we know that we're going to buy better uh, than we did last year or the previous year. But it's also important to maintain those relationships and maintain that trust with, with the core group of carriers that you guys have.
0: Yeah, but I mean, we are still expecting to. Uh, we're still expecting <laughs> to look like heroes, Alex. <laughs> All right? Come on, we were. We got beat up pretty bad the last two years by That's our right. CFO and the lead team. So, yeah, we still need our moment in the sun this year, which is going to be nice.
1: This is a nice segue into looking ahead, looking forward. Um, you are really involved in Veritiv's innovation and your acceleration and things like that. So, I'm curious if you could speak to the program that you're involved with and what some of your initiatives are.
0: Sure. Yeah. We, um, so we call it next gen supply chain and for us, yeah, it's just driving a culture of innovation across our thousand plus operations team members that we have. And, you know, one of the comments that we often make is, Hey, if you walked into one of our distribution centers today, it looks about the same as it did 20 years ago. And part of that is due to there just hasn't been a lot of innovation in the operations space. From companies and so that has accelerated though in the last few years there's been a lot of new entrants a lot of really cool technology has come out and so what we're trying to do is take advantage of that to help our team members that are out across um, across the country and so a few of the things that we're looking at we're looking at automation you hear a lot about robotics and automated mhe we're out there trying a variety of different automated solutions to help our team members and you know different softwares we talked about visibility earlier we've gone that route and then you know really a big one for us is around workforce productivity so Mm -hmm. thinking about giving our managers and supervisors better visibility into what our team members are doing on a daily basis and you know for us it's not about necessarily reducing labor it's about Getting more productivity out of the people we have because it's gotten a little easier, but it's still really hard to find really good talent in the uh, operations world.
1: Yeah, that's
2: right. The the more you can coach and show them you know show anyone in operations and i am not an operations guy <laughs> i am a sales guy at heart but you know the, the way i think of it is the, the more that you can show them metrics and show them how they can improve someone's gonna be driving towards that number right how can i get one percent better every day to, to take it from a, a coach's mouth but you know i think it is important in in not only a motivation factor but overall as a business, right? You're, you're still motivated to get that 1% better or 10% better. And, you know, you have to have the software capabilities or the people that understand that to, to help enforce that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had me fooled. You have a safety vest on, so you're like (laughs) acting like an ops guy, which I appreciate. I don't know why
2: they gave this to me to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate that, but no, you're right. And one of the ways we use that coach's mentality of get 1% better every day is we like to drive competition. So whatever our metrics are we show those metrics stack ranked across all of our divisions. And so you can see that if this division's, you know, doing this many tasks per hour, we're comparing that to our other 84 divisions to see how they're performing against them.
1: That's great. It's funny how a little competition just inspires everyone.
0: That's right. Nobody wants to be at the bottom.
2: That's right.
1: Cool. Well, this brings me to my last question, Uh, career advice. What career advice do you have for anyone entering supply chain, maybe someone mid-level?
0: You know, there's a lot of great advice out there. You know, you got to build your network, you know, you got to find good mentors, all of that. And it's so true. But one thing that I just, I like to remind people of sometimes is performance matters too. So, you know, don't let your ambition get ahead of your results. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's good to just put your head down, deliver and be an A player in the role you're in instead of always just looking for whatever that next thing is.
2: That's fantastic. All right, moving on to the speed round. Will, I'm going to hit you with uh three quick hitters here and you can answer them however you would like. Um Love it. what do you do
0: to to unwind at the end of the day? So, I, I have uh, I have three young daughters, Alex, all under the He's age never of 5. Unwinding. Girl girl dad. So, dad, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Girl dad, all the way a proud girl dad. But yeah, so there's not like a lot of unwinding, but it's <laughs> definitely a distraction from from work. So, when I'm done, you know, the girls don't really care what the heck's going on in the freight market that's for sure
2: that's right are you watching anything good right now great follow-up yeah did
1: you hear that I have three girls
0: (laughs) yeah are you familiar with Paw Patrol and and Bluey Um, so yeah other than all the kids shows on Disney Plus you know The Last of Us is on HBO It just finished up and uh, my wife and I were watching that yeah I tried I had to turn it off I not my cup of tea, yeah.
2: um, <laughs> will anything that i that we haven't asked you that you want to touch on uh, as we as we wrap this up?
0: No, I'd just say that i I do appreciate you guys. I think it's really cool what you're doing, you know, even though we talked about earlier how my wife you know thinks supply chain podcasts, like who the heck would ever <laughs> listen to that well. <laughs> I listen, I'm a listener of your show. I think it's really I think it's really great what you guys are doing. That's
2: wonderful. And we appreciate you guys as well. So, that's a wrap for this episode of Supply Chain Therapy. Will Vining, thanks so much for joining Michelle and I. And uh, we'll see you we'll see you soon. Thanks, Will. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Supply Chain Therapy, a podcast brought to you by Stored. Make your supply chain a competitive advantage.
0: Go to stored.com to learn more. back.